Hello, Visioneers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are rising from recession. And our guest this week, well, he is going to teach us how to be well because he's the doc. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Hello, Visioneers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest today is Dr. Hugh Beatty, the wellness doctor. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thanks for having me, Michael Roberts. And for visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? Yeah, I'm Dr. Hugh Beatty and I practice a medicine, actually specifically the wellness medicine, and that's why I call myself the wellness doc. You have had your practice for how many years? Um, wellness practice has been since 2013, mm -hmm. but I've been practicing medicine ever since I graduated medical school in 1985. 1985. That's been a couple minutes. Yes, it has. <laughs> and for Eagle Eye Visionaries, you may recognize that we have interviewed Dr. Beatty before. And the reason we're interviewing him on camera this time is because we got a lot of great things to see here in his office. You can see some wonderful signage around and behind him, as it were. And one of the things that is very unusual about about Dr. Beatty is that when you go to see a, a typical physician, they do typical doctor stuff, but Dr. Beatty here, his practice is different. Yes. What makes you different from a quote unquote traditional medical doctor? I focus on the diagnosis and treating underlying cause. Mm. And diagnosis just means cause. And the difference is that I'm not focusing on symptoms. I'm focused on what really caused the patient to have the disease that they presently have. Really? Yes. How does that work? That works because pretty much all disease relate to inflammation. So a patient that comes to me, if they're inflamed, I start working on getting rid of the inflammation. Mm -hmm. And that inflammation might manifest in different disease states. It might come out as diabetes, hypertension, even cancer. Hmm. And one of the things I can look at a patient and tell if they're inflamed. Like, hmm. Michael, you look great. You don't look inflamed to me. <laughs> well, I just, I have a really good plastic surgeon, sorry. <laughs> but there are certain telltale signs of inflammation that I can tell when I meet a patient. And mm -hmm. I can see it either in males or females, either young or old. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to see it as patients get older, it's past their 50s, it's pretty obvious. But when they're younger, you can still see signs of inflammation. Your practice, like you said, goes through and goes beyond the root cause, or you're trying to find the root yes. cause, excuse me. What is your process in doing that, and how is that different than typical medical practice? Well, I think we all, uh, our focus is to make a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Where the divergence comes in is how we deal with the diagnosis. Ah. So let's say, for instance, as a medical doctor, I practiced for a long time, up until about 2013, 2014, I, was, I would see a patient that had high blood pressure and I would put them on blood pressure meds. Mm -hmm. And my goal was to get the blood pressure under control. Mm. I didn't focus on how can I actually rid the patient of the blood pressure. 
issue. Uh, sometimes patients would come to me and they were knowledgeable and they were reading, doing their own research, say, doc, I never took blood pressure meds before. Why do I have to take them? Is there anything I can do to get rid of my blood pressure issue? Is there any herbs I can do, exercise, diet? Do I have to take this forever? And I would tell them, yes, pretty much you got to take it for the rest of your life. Because wow. I didn't see anyone get better on on any type of wellness program that they were doing, like self-wellness program, right. that they would try to implement. And so they always was on their blood pressure medicine. Most often I found that patients needed more blood pressure medicine. They need to add mm. on a second med, a third med, or even go up on the doses of the medication. Right. So, And then you went to a seminar yes. in Las Vegas. And it changed my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> How did it change your whole life? Well, because I remember the name of the course I went to was called, it was put on by the academy called A4M, American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Mm. And, um, and so when I went to that first course and I sat there and I realized, okay, the diagnosis process is no different, but what they did with the information once they got the diagnosis. Oh. And so then I realized that sometimes we were making superficial diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We were saying, okay, the person has high blood pressure, but why does the person have high blood pressure? That was not dealt with really in medical care. Right. And so then you start tracing back further and further. So it's not unusual if I see a patient, I might go four or five steps back hmm. before I really say, okay, this really what's going on. Actually, I don't even do all that as much anymore because I know it's all related to inflammation. <laughs> so, so I just start dealing with the inflammation. Sure. And I even gone so far to tell patients that, look, when you come in, you know, I have to be careful with this. I say, I know you got a lot of diseases. Today I really want to focus on all your diseases, how long you had the diabetes and the hypertension. Sometimes I will focus on, on the end in stage issue of the disease, like how bad the heart disease is, how bad the diabetes is, right. and if there's any type of uh, uh, problems that, you know, like uh, comorbidities related to the diabetes. Mm -hmm. But then really the whole focus is inflammation. I know they're inflamed already. I can look at them and I know by their diagnosis they're inflamed. And I know that the medications and the medical treatment they've gotten has not even dealt with the inflammation, haven't even dealt with the underlying problem. So sometimes I get so excited, I can't wait to see how much better the patient's gonna improve. So you have gone by the wellness doc. He's even got merchandise. <laughs> yeah. Where did you come up with the name, the wellness doc? Well, the one, I wanted something that would just make people to, you know, immediately think of me and it would trigger it, kind of a branding kind of situation. But I didn't wanna just, have people think of me as a medical doctor. Because mm. when you think about somebody has a medical problem, you say, let's go to the medical doctor. No, I want people to understand that I'm doing something beyond just medical care, medication care, managing illness, and trying to just uh, manage their sickness and keep them in a state of sickness. I want them to understand when you come to me, my focus is gonna be on wellness. So it just rolled off the tongue. The well, I initially at one point said the wellness guide. That wasn't going to work. So I came up with the wellness doctor. The only thing I don't like about the wellness doctor, when I abbreviate to TWD, sometimes people joke and say the walking dead. And I like to say, no, I take those patients who are the walking dead and make them healthy again. So. What you have just described is marketing. Yes. How much business did you learn in medical school? Neil, it was like, <laughs> it was about as much as I learned about nutrition and vitamins <laughs> in medical school. Uh, not very much, actually it was only one course we took. Mm -hmm. It was in my second year of medical school. Right. And it was on the business side of medicine. And I can't remember whether it was six weeks or 10 weeks. Mm. All I know, I don't remember very much about it. 
And it was one thing in particular that I remember was that it was in a transition when HMOs were coming on the scene. This is back in 83. Right. And our instructor became very angry when he began to realize that his practice was going to start being taken over by new contracts, HMOs. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about this health maintenance. I had no clue what he was talking about. I was trying to focus on a big exam I had in Path Micro. <laughs> so. But your situation with physicians is not unusual. Most physicians, they have to learn how to run a business Mm -hmm. on the fly yes and yes. you have learned a lot in the ensuing years especially since you started your independent practice as the wellness doc and since yes. 2013 how has the lack of business skills that most physicians have coming out into the, into the real world how has that been a detriment to their practices and what are you seeing right now in the medical community from physicians like yourself who've had this experience in the business world yeah it can impact you negatively mm. because part of the problem is that you get contracts thrown at you you have to look at that. You need to get a team of people to work with that actually will benefit you. Like now I have an attorney I kind of work with pretty closely in some of the things I'm looking at. Uh, in addition to that, the problem is that you have to make a profit everything you do. Right. Uh, sometimes in my desire to help people, because I'm, I'm very empathetic, mm -hmm. that I end up wanting to help people and not thinking about the financial side of it. I have to make sure I make a profit of it. Right. So, and then you have to divorce yourself from that. So I have staff that is in that front line for me and they'll go ahead and talk to the patient financially for them. Because sometimes what happens is my staff say, Dr. Beatty, you know, you got to get paid for this. You can't give everything away. Right. So sometimes when something new comes out, I am sampling and giving out you know, something new that I'm doing so that patients can understand that this will benefit them and I'm not trying to take advantage of it. I like to make sure that what I'm going to do is going to actually be effective before I start, you know, um, selling it as a, as a you know, new product. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I can be reached at hubadymd.com. Uh, that's my website. Uh, also, my office uh, phone number is 661-395-0315. What was that number again? 661 395-0315 and my office address is 6001 Truxton Avenue, Building B, Suite 240, Bakersfield, California. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, notify, and leave a comment. One of the reasons that we are here with Dr. Beatty is because visioners like you want to find out more about the business of medicine and also how can you help yourself as business owners without too many medications. Yes. And so reach out to us on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And when we come back, we're going to read one of the visionary questions that came from somebody just like you when we're right back. In this new day of technology, people are forgetting how to talk to people. Spoken word is very important. There is tone in the spoken word that makes all the difference and appeals to a larger, greater feeling in people. This is where Toastmasters comes in. There is more emotion in the spoken word. People can hear you caring. And in this age of COVID, your clients, your customers, people you care about need to know you care for them. Join Toastmasters today by going to toastmasters.org forward slash find a club and join a Toastmaster club that will help you accelerate your business again. Join Toastmasters today 
by going to toastmasters.org forward slash find a club and join a Toastmaster club that will help you accelerate your business and let your customers know you care about them today. We're here with Hugh Beatty, the wellness doc, and our visionary question of the segment comes from Visionary Kim who asks, one of my biggest challenges is managing conflict. I know that this kind of stress isn't good for my health and yet I'm having a hard time dealing with it. How do you handle conflict? Well, conflict is something I've been handling for a long time. Okay. Uh, even going back to how I was, you know, I was raised, where I grew up. Uh -huh. You know, I am from Compton, and so okay. there's some challenges there. And then all the schooling I went through, you know, college and medical school, transitioning there and residency and some of the career choices I made. Mm -hmm. Like even being an anesthesiologist, working with surgeons, there was always a conflict in there. Mm. And the challenge of doing was in the best interest of the patient. Okay. And sometimes I How had so? conflict there. Well, sometimes the patients come, they're not ready for surgery. Oh. And I always consider myself the internist of the OR. Okay. When there's a problem in the operating room, you don't call for the internist to come or the ER doc come. You have to handle it. Ah. So you have to make sure that that patient is ready to undergo that electro surgery. Because when things go wrong, you get blamed. I don't care what it is. <laughs> and if you slow down the surgery and delay the surgeon, they had the tendency to run to administration all the time. Really? And since they brought patients to the hospital and you didn't, uh, they were the ones administration listened to. Sure. So that was, it was constant. Cons, you know, conflict resolutions and stuff and dealing with conflict. How, when, when you have a situation of conflict within your own personal practice, what steps do you take for yourself to reduce that stress level so that it doesn't give you premature gray hairs? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the, that's what wellness is all about. Mm. I tell people all the time that the stress hormone cortisol can kill you. Really? It can kill you faster than any other hormone deficiency. Hmm. Okay, if, you're, if you have something, a, a diagnosis, a disease called Addison disease, where you have no cortisol levels at all, right. then you can actually go on what we call cardiovascular shock and die. Hmm. If you have too much cortisol, we call cushion disease, that can lead to all kinds of other health issues. It doesn't kill you immediately, but it's life-threatening. So cortisol is a stress hormone. Right. So I think about that a lot. And that's why I do the five pillars, even for myself. The five pillars being, you know, um, focusing on hormone um, my hormone balance, hormone status, as well as gut health, nutrition, uh, sleep, and resistance training. So I actually implement those in my life on a daily basis. And so one of the things is that I know that when you do resistance training, it keeps your stress hormones down. Hmm. If you get a good night's sleep, keep your stress on. So I do melatonin at night. I'll take magnesium before I go to bed. I take a thousand milligrams of magnesium every night. Hmm. So I'm constantly focusing on that. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that even though you, you can't help everybody, some people is just, you just have to walk away. And so <laughs> when you have a situation where, where, where you eventually get to an impasse in the road where this is not working out, you just have to say, you know, I'm not the position for you. Maybe you can have better success somewhere else. So I don't have problem in cutting off ties with certain situations. So, One of the things that you mentioned is that you worked for another hospital and every time you had a conflict with the surgeon, he would go to administration. And this was something that caused you to open your own 
practice. Yes. <laughs> Why is that? Because I got tired of that. My dad, he ra raised me very independent. Mm. Okay. And so he was, he was a man's man, if you want to call it that way. Okay. And so, so I would hear a lot of stories when I was growing up of how he had to deal with situations. Mm. And so that rubbed off on me. And so when I would be challenged, I'm like, I can stay here and take it, mm -hmm. or I can do something about it. Ah. And I have a lot of stories like that I could possibly tell you. But, but the main thing was that I said, here I am, 36, 37 years old. Do I want to continue to, to live this kind of way, mm. where I'm totally subservient to the surgeons, and I have to do it their way or the hospital's way, or you know, it's not going to be, do well for me. Right. And then a lot of times doing it their way was not in the best interest of the patient. I've always been concerned about the welfare of the patient. Right. And anyone who practices anesthesiology knows that challenge, mm. know that struggle. In right. fact, one of my patients, his wife is an anesthesiologist. And he came in one day talking about the stress his wife was under and she planned on quitting actually hmm. because she got so frustrated in dealing with the surgeons. Right. So I got a lot of surgical colleagues. I love them. They love me now <laughs> because I refer to them. Right, <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. And I can pick and choose who I want to refer, to refer to. And there's a lot of great surgeons here, so I don't want people to be mistaken about that. But there comes a time when that economic pressure on you right. because you got to keep that schedule going. How this relates to your, your practice now is you, you spoke of before that you go through and you have staff that take care of billing yes. so that you can focus on the patient and you have staff that fulfill other parts of your business. For them, it's a transference of stress. <laughs> well, I back them. <laughs> okay. But I make sure I back them because one of the things is, is that I know that my office manager has been with me 14 years. Mm -hmm. You know, she'll say, well, Dr. Bear, I already told them that what we're going to do. Right. And sometimes I will go behind and say, I know they call me. Can we make an allowance because they really need some help today? Because I have to keep in mind, there is a, there's a fine line that I don't want uh, uh, to, uh, to uh, I guess, tamper with in the sense that she's not medically trained like me. So she might be telling them, you know, Dr. Bear can't see for two or three days, but that person who called me, I'm saying, wait a minute, there's a medical reason for right. them to need to see me today. Right. But if there's things that doesn't get to that point, you know, I just let my staff handle it because they are protecting me. I can't see everybody at the same time. I try to limit my practice about 15 patients a day because I'm trying to actually help the patient. Right. And so, so I can't have 30 people running the door. And, and the patients want to come and be seen that day. So I need my staff to do their part. Right. So they do have a lot of, that they have to deal with, a lot of stress on them too. How do you help them with their stress? Well, <laughs> they take Fridays off, you know. <laughs> okay. So sure. they pretty much just work four days a week. Okay. Uh, and so they'll rotate and I still pay them even though they're not here. You know, I, I pretty much just pay them on a 40 hour week schedule. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then also like this past week, my office manager had to go to a funeral. So she had the, pretty much the whole day off. She left early the day before and then, uh, and things come up, you know, one of my staff ended up uh, getting sick and she had to take two weeks off. And so I covered her for two weeks. So sure. there's things and they know that I'm really uh, helpful in that sense. Um, in addition to that, they know all about five pillars themselves. So I take care of the health. I make sure they're on vitamins and supplements. If they need hormone therapy, I work with them and make sure they have their hormone therapy too. And so, yeah, so that they benefit from being here, okay? And that's how they keep their stress down. What is one piece of advice that you would give to business owners 
for especially in this current climate uh, not just covid but everything else that's going on to help them manage their stress and help them deal with for the uncertainty that's happening in the business world due to covid yeah first and foremost is that they have to learn to trust god you know and one of the things i always remember is that in all that ways acknowledge him and he will direct that path mm -hmm. so first and foremost it's god's plan Okay. okay, and I'm just saying, it's what he wants to do with my life, okay? I feel that I'm practicing wellness because that's what he wanted from me. Mm. I'm, I'm at peace doing this, okay? I can be my own boss doing this. I can do what is in the best interest of the patient. I can run a business. I remember years ago uh, when I was married at the time, I told my wife, I said, you know, I want to be a businessman. I want to carry my own briefcase and wear a suit to work, okay? Right. I had, there was no motivation to do as an anesthesiologist. So, so, um, so those are things are important to me. And um, uh, I've got the question. <laughs> well, when we come back, we're going to delve into the depths of string theory and discuss the which is more important, alto clef or tenor clef, or should they just get rid of it all and go with treble clef and bass clef like the rest of the orchestra? Okay, yeah. well, no, we're not. Uh, but we are going to answer another visioner question when we come right back. <laughs> because of you, Visioner Nation, we are here with the great Dr. Hugh Beatty, the wellness doctor. And that's because we've had several requests from visioners just like you who want me to talk to a physician that was in the business world. And it's because of you who reached out to us on LinkedIn. Facebook and Instagram and gave us the comments, gave us the thoughts, found, told us who you wanted to have interviewed here on the program and why. So thanks to you, we're here with Dr. Hugh Beatty and we encourage you to continue to reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram and let us know who you want to see on the next Small Business Celebration. So make sure you reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram today. We're here with Dr. Hugh Beatty, the wellness doc, and our visioneer question comes from Seppi and she asks, I have a small office and have just hired two employees for the first time. I'm good at setting expectations, but not so good at accountability and rewarding for good behavior. What have you done that works? Well, what I've done is that I just try to treat my staff with respect. Mm. And I try to be there for them when they need it. Mm -hmm. um, but also understand I have to give them guidelines. Right. And because the guidelines protects my practice because mm. I'm ultimately responsible. Right. But uh, I've been now employing, pay, I mean, employing staff for at least the last 15 years. Mm. And actually my first employee was coming from a guy I was leasing space from. Mm. So she came ready packaged. She had already right. worked for him about a year. She's my now my office manager. Right. And over the years I've learned how to deal with her. <laughs> and I've seen her grow. And so she and I both have it down. And right. our other two, I have three employees right now. Uh, two full-time and one uh, part-time and they all get along very well they the other two employees have been a little over four years now right and and what it is I pretty much let them figure it out you mm -hmm. know so far as I tell them look we're gonna have our office open at these this time mm -hmm. this is the kind of patient we're gonna see this is what we're gonna do I give them parameters but I let them do their work ah. so. and what do you do for them or 
by them that when they do something well or do they come up with something innovative or they do something beyond the, the call of duty as it were. Well, I'm constantly uh, uh, giving back accolades. I'm constantly saying I really appreciate you guys. Mm. You know, I'm so close to them. I have adopted them all as my daughters. <laughs> and so they feel the love, but they also feel free to come up to me and, mm. and question me or to challenge me or correct me. And I accept it because they really are protecting me. Right. And so they don't, they aren't offended when, when I uh, have to correct them. But if I get on them and, and sometimes things get intense and I get frustrated and I might go ahead and say something I shouldn't say to them, uh, I'll apologize. I'll always apologize. Mm -hmm. I might apologize immediately. I'll bring them in my room and i say, look, I'm really, really sorry. And, but I also try to be lenient with them. You know, I let them when, if someone gets sick and all of a sudden they have to go, like, uh, it's not unusual. Two of my staff, they have young children. And so things come up uh, when the kids are still going to school, the kid gets sick. They say, how do they pay? I got to go get my daughter. I say, well, hey, go ahead. You know, right. and so we have enough flexibility. We can allow for things like that. So the, the environment is flexible enough for them. And so that's how I'm able to keep them, you know, where they are happy to work for me <laughs> and come in and do a good job. <laughs> and you also enjoy tinkering on cars. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, what are you tinkering on? Now? Well, my dad was a mechanic. Uh -huh. uh, he worked actually at Lockheed, but before he uh, took a full-time job at Lockheed back in the 50s, he used to work in a gas station. So a man he worked for taught him all about mechanics. And so my dad, he used to pull, take engines out of cars. He would rebuild them. He would do transmission, do all kinds of stuff in the neighborhood. And, so and that watered down younger, to you. Well, no, I never worked with it because I told you earlier, my dad was a man's man, so he did. He did, he had very short patience for for things. So if I gave him the wrong tool, <laughs> you know about it. So I was the youngest of seven, so he had other sons to call on, right. and so. But I would kind of look at what he was doing from afar. So I always had a level of interest. I never really knew much about cars because when I went to school, I was always in the books, and I wasn't doing mechanical things. I was taking music, or I was taking some other type of course other than taking auto mechanics. Right, but. I, I always had a passion for it. I always enjoyed cars. I always enjoyed modifying cars, putting new rims on it, music, and all this stuff. So um, I have, um, it was about six years ago, my mechanic was uh, finally retiring and, and moving to Arizona. And I have a 300ZX twin turbo. Oh. And I was scared to turn it over to the uh, Nissan dealership. Because I knew what can happen once that car goes behind those closed yeah, doors. Yeah. And so I had a, a friend who's a mechanic, a patient who's a mechanic. I said, look, you know, do you feel comfortable and help me out working on my car? And he said, yeah. And so I started really doing it after that. That was about five years ago. What have you learned from working on your car that you apply to your business? <laughs> well, uh, let's translate to a patient. <laughs> You got to make the right diagnosis, okay? Right, sure. And it gets very expensive if you repair the wrong thing and it didn't <laughs> fix it. But the most important thing, car doesn't talk back. And a car, you can, you know, if it's not running, you can set it aside for a week. If a patient's not doing well, you can't set them aside <laughs> for a week. So actually, in some aspects, it's much easier to, to do a car. But I like the fact there's a relationship between diagnosis and, 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 and treating online calls. Mm. But more importantly, the satisfaction you get. When I see a patient get healthy, like, wow, look at that. And it's the same way with a car. When I'm driving the car, I change the brakes on. And if I did some uh, other work on the car that made it run better, oh, I love it. It's fantastic. You talked to a patient of yours about this 300ZX. Yes. And he came in and he, now he's helping you play with this vehicle and, and make it leaner, faster, stronger, oh, yeah. everything else. And part of that is self-improvement yeah. as well because you're growing yourself. Mm -hmm. 
But this also is indicative of other areas because you're an avid reader, mm -hmm. especially you know outside of medical school, which is very unusual. Most doctors read less mm -hmm. after they, <laughs> they leave medical school. Mm -hmm. What are you reading right now? The Top 10 Reasons the Rich Go Broke by John McGregor. And he's actually the financial planner for Robert Kiyosaki and the guy, Rich Dad, Poor Dad thing. Why are you reading that book? Well, because I need to know as much as I can about finances. Okay. And actually in there, because I'm undergoing a, a, a pretty significant challenge to my finances right now and my personal affairs, I'm going through divorce. And, and so I'm looking at that reality. In the book, he talks about how people get to a certain age, get devastated for a lot mm -hmm. of different reasons. Mm -hmm. For health reasons can come along and all of a sudden now you have this devastating illness that can wipe you out financially. Uh, you could be invested in something that you think is gonna be a home run and it can wipe you out. Uh, there's so many different things that can lead to financial disaster right when you think it's gonna be there for you. There's a poster behind you of an old <laughs> man with dumbbells on that yes. says, growing old is not for sissies. And why do you have this on your wall? Because I want people, a picture's worth a thousand words. Okay. I want my patients when they sit here, come in. They usually don't stay in the lobby too long, but when they sit here, I want them to immediately look around and be reminded of what's important. Their mm -hmm. health is important. Right. It's a gift. And so I want them to look there, and I think this guy, I think he's deceased now, but look how he was before he died. Right. You know, he has a six pack. He's physically fit. And so what I tell people is that wellness is not necessarily gonna lengthen your lifespan, but we're looking at health span. The quality of life. Right, so if I'm gonna live to be 80 years old, I don't wanna live the last 20 years of my life in a nursing home. Right. I wanna be the last 20 years of my life to be playing golf, you know, riding my, cycle, my bicycle, uh, doing the things I wanna do, working on cars, and you have to be physically fit for that. And so you have to keep the body functioning. And so, so I wanna remind people that you have to put in the work. And so growing old is not persistent because you gotta do something about it <laughs> to age gracefully. What gets you up every morning to open your business? Well, because I really love what I do. I have fantastic patients. And they tell me all the time, they say, look doc, I hope you don't retire. I hope you don't move away. I really uh, appreciate what you have done for me. So I love that. I love working with my staff. My staff is great. Uh, I truly enjoy practicing medicine and I found the niche that suits me, wellness, to where I can, because I was a chemistry major in college. And so I love analyzing and figuring things out. I love the challenge of that. But what's even better is actually get results. You can get results with this. When I did anesthesia, it was immediate results. You put the patient to sleep, they woke up. Right. You got immediate results, but that was it. But with these, you have a chance for continuity of care. Mm -hmm. You have a chance to get to not only know them, but their spouses and their kids and their you know, extended family and friends. It's fantastic. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I can be reached at hubatymd.com. Uh, that's my website. Uh, also, my office uh, phone number is 661. Uh, 395-0315. What was that number again? 661-395-0315. And my office address is 6001 Truxton Avenue, Building B, Suite 240, Bakersfield, California. Dr. Beatty, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for being on Small Business Celebration, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Yes, thank you very much. This new 
day of technology, people are forgetting how to talk to people. Spoken word is very important. There is tone in the spoken word that makes all the difference and appeals to a larger, greater feeling in people. This is where Toastmasters comes in. There is more emotion in the spoken word. People can hear you caring. And in this age of COVID, your clients, your customers, people you care about need to know you care for them. Join Toastmasters today by going to toastmasters.org forward slash find a club and join a Toastmaster club that will help you accelerate your business again. Join Toastmaster today by going to toastmasters.org forward slash find a club and join a Toastmaster club that will help you accelerate your business and let your customers know you care about them today. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.